It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Alex trying to steer around, picked off, centered, they score! Feather back over to Manny, splits the defense, his shot, he scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington, on collision, VL, center and feed, they score! This is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. Hello, Barracuda fans. Nick Nolenberger here, and this is your Barracuda Weekly Roundup. The Barracuda played three games over the week and wrapped up a four-game homestand on Wednesday with a visit from the Colorado Eagles. In the victory, Jaden Holmgawak scored his 13th and 14th goals of the year, and the Barracuda cruised to a 7-2 win. Holmgawak would make it two goals at 9.56 to the third period, his 14th of the year. By D. Simone, a breakaway. Here comes Hobgawaks. In a load, shoots and scores. On Friday, the Barracuda jumped outside of the division for the first time in 2019-20 as they paid a visit to Iowa to take on the Iowa Wild in downtown Des Moines on Friday and Saturday night. After falling into a 1-0 deficit after 40 minutes of play, the Barracuda would storm back with three unanswered in the final 20 minutes including an empty net ceiling goal, his second of the night by Jeff Viel in the late stages of the third. Up and over, it's going to be a foot race. Viel's going to go track down the puck. He's got a wicked angle, He'll have to try to score on. He shoots and scores. Viel, a little cutback move on the empty net. And the Barracuda take a two-goal lead on the empty netter by Viel, his second of the period. On Saturday, the Barracuda jumped out to a 2-0 lead before Iowa stormed back and took a 3-2 lead in the middle frame. But late in the third, Jake Middleton would race down the left wing side, receive a pass, and rip one over the left shoulder of Matt Robson for Middleton's first of the year and his first over his last 34 games. D. Simone, it'll give a go. Brodzinski to left side. He's got Jake Middleton moving and shot scored. Oh my goodness! Middleton snaps one home. It's a shorthanded strike for Jake Middleton and the Barracuda dry even. The shorthanded goal was San Jose's second of the night and the third time in franchise history in which they scored multiple shorthanded goals in a game. It also forced overtime, but in OT, Louis Belpedio would seal the two points for the Wild in a 4-3 overtime win. Hits the brakes, leaves for Belpedio, works down below the end line, turns, reverses, now swivels back up towards the blue line. Still the puck on his stick just inside the blue. Now down towards the end line, backhander scored! Oh my, a perfect backhand shot and a game winner for Belpedio over the right shoulder of Sachenko. There was nearly no space in Belpedio. I'm Nick Nolenberger, and this has been your Barracuda Weekly Roundup. Hello and welcome to another edition of CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the NHL San Jose Sharks. Nick Nolenberger here alongside marketing manager Joey Goldstein. 
couple road games this past weekend in Iowa against a very good Iowa Wild team. And the Barracuda managed to pick up three of a possible four points and now have points in three straight games and starting to trend upward and probably playing their best hockey of the season. But going into the weekend, you look at this Iowa group sitting at second in the Central Division in a comfortable spot. And it's a very uh, potent offensive group with a couple of the top scorers in the league and Sam Annis and Gerald Mayhew. Well, you catch a break because Mayhew was unavailable in both games with an illness, but still plenty of firepower. And the Barracuda managed to win game one on Friday night, 3-1 with a third period comeback, something they haven't done much this year. And then they come back the following night, had an early 2-0 lead, watches slip out of their grip. And then you go into the third period late, you're down a man, and Jake Middleton snaps a 34-game goalless drought with a shorthanded snipe on a rush up the left wing side. You force overtime, you eventually lose an OT, but I think you'll take the weekend, three points of a possible four, and like we mentioned, riding a three-game point streak. Yeah, I mean, it all starts with the way that they played on Wednesday against Colorado in a 7-2 win, uh, where really, I mean, that Colorado team is a good team there they kind of if you look at the pacific division we were looking at it earlier it's very top heavy you got tucson you got Stockton, you got colorado and then there's a bit of a gap between where san diego's at right now and and the other teams chasing that fourth spot so um the colorado team's playing good hockey and and they came in here and to be frank we steamrolled them you know, a 7-2 win where Coronash played great. Uh, got to Adam Werner, who's been fantastic all year. We got to him very, very early. Put up a lot of shots. Jade Hovgawak's had two goals. Max Latunov had two assists to add to his point total. Uh, Nick Simone, Dylan Gambrell, they all had three points. Trevor Carrick scored. Noah Gregor scored. Alexander True scored. So a lot of guys getting the score sheets, guys. You need to start finding the score sheet. I think started to break out of their slumps a little bit. And then it, you know, it trickles into a great game on Friday. And then you get the game on Saturday as well. And that, you know, against two good teams in Colorado and Iowa, it's, it's reassuring to see. And it seems like, like you said, they're, they are playing their, seems like their best hockey of the season. And they're starting to, to piece together here when it counts. Yeah, it was disappointing. You know, you couldn't get the three straight wins. The Barracuda have not won three games in a row this season, but they're playing some of their better hockey. You take Stockton off the uh, the schedule, and you're probably in a playoff spot. That's been the yep. difference so far this season. So for the Barracuda, they continue their three-game road trip in Bakersfield on Wednesday night to take on a Condors team that's spiraling a little bit out of control. They've lost four in a row, including a 3 nothing loss on Monday, Martin Luther King Day at Ontario. Another team San Jose is chasing complete logjam right now in the Pacific. Pacific Division as we quickly take a look at the standings. Ontario holding on to that fourth and final playoff spot. They've got 41 points, but they played four more games in the Barracuda. They've played the most games so far in the AHL's Pacific Division, so all those teams behind them have a little bit of breathing room. The San Diego's, the Bakersfield's, the San Jose's, so an opportunity to gain some ground if you put some good hockey together. The Barracuda currently 10 points behind Ontario for that fourth and final playoff spot, and the Barracuda will get Ontario in the final game before the All-Star break that'll be Saturday night at the SAP Center so an opportunity to gain some ground again you've got to continue to put wins together at this point but certainly it's not out of the question to get back in the conversation and get back in it pretty quickly yeah no the way that they're playing is it's it's promising and given how you know small that gap is I mean 10 10 points sounds sounds like a lot but it's it's not when you consider how often we play these guys and, and how all these games you know start to mesh together so a nice little run could put them right back in the mix and we were taught Roy Sommer popped over uh here right before you know we kind of hopped on and 
we were just kind of talking Frank and a 500 record could get you into that fourth spot as, as much as that's not what you, the way you want to kind of go in, but that, that could be the case given how far that gap is between those top three teams and what that fourth position is going to be. So, um, I think everything's kind of coming together while the guys are playing well. Guys are starting to get off the schneid a bit and, and break those those streaks. Penalty kill has been great. The penalty kill, I mean, they, it won us the game on on Friday and helped us get a point on, on Saturday. So to come away with uh, two shorthanded goals and only allow one power play goal on uh, on the weekend against Iowa, is, that's, that's a great sign for a team that early in the season struggled with special teams yeah definitely um and as you look at mentioning the 500 record good to see Roy just kind of pop his head in and chat with a few of the guys when the Barracuda made the playoffs that first year they had a 537 winning percentage and that's been their if you look at the record that's been the worst winning percentage in terms of getting into the playoffs so far um, over their history. So every year it's kind of a crapshoot in terms of what you need to get in. But when teams play each other as many times as they do in this division, it's going to make for a log jam. It's going to make for 500 teams having an opportunity to get into the playoffs. And you mentioned special teams too. I mean, it was incredible. You have a group that really has not generated much in terms of penalty uh, kill offensive opportunities came into uh, Saturday's game which is four shorties on the season but you get two and I said on the air you're going to need one because there was maybe 20 seconds remaining after the power play was over of full strength play you're going to probably need a shorty to tie this game up and you know there goes Jake Middleton no down the he looks here. like he scored 50 goals I uh, just snipes one over the left shoulder of Matt Robson so um very, I thought it was a, a very balanced game for the Barracuda. And over the weekend, I mean, there was moments where he, at other times in the season, things just kind of fall off the rails and the game's over. Um, but there was a sense of resiliency, almost a sense of internal confidence. And, and you can go back to maybe what Zachary Sachenko has provided. He got the start in both games over the weekend. A little bit of a surprise he got the nod, even though he was coming off a win that he got the nod on Saturday because Joseph Kornosh had picked up the 7-2 win on Wednesday. You thought maybe they just uh, split starts. Well, no, they give Sachenko another chance. Faced a lot of rubber um, in uh, in that Saturday game. I think he faced 41 shots um, and, and eventually it takes the loss. But um, just so he's been so solid back there, it, it was um, a little bit surprising, but not overly that they decided to give him another shot on Saturday night. Yeah, no, when you're hot, you're hot, right? And you're at the point in the year where you kind of have to ride the hot hand, whatever it may be. So um, right now that seems to be Sachenko, even though the last time out, Kornosh did get the win. Um, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in Bakersfield, uh, but you you got to put the lineup out there that's going to win you games. Then it's going to be the more you produce, the more you're going to play. Uh, Sachenko has been great since he's come in. Certainly, uh, you know, when, when the season started, this is a guy who signed an AHL deal. I think we've talked about it in the past and, it's kind of buried a bit on the depth chart as far as goaltenders go, but he's coming in and, and making a case to not go back to the, the ECHL and kind of remain here for the rest of the year. So um, certainly it's been a breath of fresh air, and I think that helps the guys on the team too a little bit, knowing that they got somebody back there that they can, you can, you know, can re- they can rely on, and if they need a bailout, can bail them out. And it's just a, it's it's a nice 
nice reassurance to have uh, when you get a, a goaltender just hot between the pipes. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, to see Kornosh maybe start to find his game, at least build some confidence, would certainly be an intriguing thing to have maybe a two-headed monster going down the final stretch. Um, as you mentioned, it's really up in the air and who will get to start tomorrow. I'd assume it would probably be Kornosh, but I assumed he'd probably start on Saturday too. And when just when you think you're going to uh, see a goaltender get a start, it seems like they've went the opposite direction. Yeah. So you've got, uh, you know, different coaching uh uh, a different coaching staff really with with the younger guys and then with John McCarthy so you've got three different minds kind of probably choosing on who's going to get the start and plus maybe some uh, organizational input as well so um, good to see Sachenko playing some really good hockey um, it has been a, a nice uh, breath of fresh air to see a guy you know take an opportunity that he uh, he earned by playing really well down in the coast and, and gets a chance up here and has has certainly ran with that opportunity so looking ahead at Bakersfield tomorrow night on Wednesday night a team that has lost now four in a row the Condors still above the Barracuda in terms of the standings uh, in the American Hockey League uh, still a very potent offensive group they had Kyler Yamamoto was named to the all-star game he's not going to be able to go so um, it'll be Tyler Benson which baffles me by the way that Benson wasn't already going to the all-star game yeah and it was Yamamoto and the way Benson's been playing I'm, I'm surprised it wasn't him to begin with but yeah Agreed. Deserving, for yep. sure. You see, it, it may be the only thing that you could maybe point to is the fact you got Yamamoto as a, as a first-round pick. Benson, mm-hmm. the second-rounder himself. Sure. But uh, maybe that's maybe that was uh, the uh, the appeal there. But certainly, Yamamoto, very talented player in his own right. But uh, Benson, is over his first two years, has just been uh, a dominating player at the AHL level. Uh, still yet to get a look, I believe, in the NHL so far in his career, which is uh, they're kind of slow playing him uh, in Edmonton, uh, just continuing to allow for him to develop. So he'll be representing the Condors at the All-Star Classic. Um, he has killed the Barracuda over his first two years. Yeah. He's been a guy who uh, has been hard to hold off the score sheet. So um, it'll be a good battle on the road. Just the second time the Cooter are down uh, in Bakersfield this season. The majority of the games have been played up here at the SAP Center. So an opportunity to continue a road trip. And then you come back. You've got Ontario on Saturday night. As you mentioned on last week's podcast, the only 7 o'clock start on a Saturday all season long. And it's our fifth anniversary celebration as well. So the first 4,000 fans will receive a fifth anniversary commitment t-shirt um, and it should be a really good hockey game and hopefully for the Barracuda they can go on the all-star break riding high um, and hopefully continue this stretch and go in with uh, into that all-star break back really in the conversation 10 points behind me you can gain ground if you pick up a couple wins over the next four days yeah well it's 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 very easy these these games they they don't you know when you win they're not two point wins they're four points because you're playing them these are the teams that you're chasing right and these are the one wants to play so each each game is huge, but it would be awesome to go into the break on a on a high note, on a positive note. And these the teams we're going to see coming in. I mean, we're not we don't see Stockton again for for a bit. You know, it's going to be a while before we play Stockton again. So we're going to start seeing Tucson a couple times. We'll see. You know, I think Colorado's in the mix here over the next couple months, and San Diego a bit more, Bakersfield a bit more. So these teams we haven't seen a ton of who we're frankly chasing. These games are huge, yeah. and uh, I think the. You know, Bakersfield's in a bit of a slump right now. Hopefully we can take advantage of that and push forward tomorrow and then uh, come in and take care of business with Ontario, who it's been very streaky. I feel like when we've played Ontario, we've had games where we've obviously blown them out and we've scored nine goals on them twice, but we've also had games where we haven't gotten anything going. So uh, it'll be interesting Saturday. Should be a good crowd. We got the giveaway, the specialty jersey. We've got a lot of fun things planned as far as game entertainment goes. So, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Play, though. Kind of wait and see. So then uh, you've got Ontario, as you mentioned, on Saturday, and that kicks off a five-game road trip for the Reigns. So, you know, we'll see how Ontario kind of can navigate those waters. But uh, it is a five-game roadie, which could be an opportunity for the Barracuda game more ground. They'll be in Stockton on Friday night, and then they'll travel to San Jose on Saturday. So they're in a back-to-back situation. The Barracuda will be sleeping in their own beds, having a little bit of rest to be able to uh, get ready for that one. And they've been playing some pretty good hockey against Ontario um, as of late. So... Um, Things are pretty interesting. There's no doubt about it. Um, just when you think there's no hope, there certainly uh, seems like there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel if you can put a good stretch together um, going into the All-Star break. Speaking of the All-Star break, we'll have the All-Star Skills Competition on Sunday in Ontario. Um, that'll uh, be a 3 o'clock uh, start, I believe, that you can watch on NHL Network, if I'm not mistaken. It's a late, it's a late but semi-early, it's a later afternoon start, not, not real late because this is the first All-Star festivity uh, that's going to go down on the West Coast. So uh, to uh, appeal to all those fans watching back east with the with all the teams back east as well, it's a little bit of an early start, at least for the skills competition. And then the All-Star game, the three-on-three tournament, will be, be the following day. So the 26th and 27th, a Sunday and a Monday down in Ontario. Both me and Joey will be there, as well as Faith, uh, who does all our community stuff, and Daniel does our in-arena um, production. They will be down there as well. So we get a little opportunity for the whole crew to, to get together and enjoy some of these festivities. This will be my first All-Star game. You, you're kind of a regular at these things now, so you have to, you have to, you know, lead lead with the torch and kind yeah. of be the guiding force. Yeah, there's not much to it. Uh, the All-Star game, there's, you know, it's just a, it's a fun weekend. Uh, you know, we kind of collaborate with some people around the league and some of your your counterparts who are there helping uh, cover for their respective teams. First time out here on the West Coast, so I. I you know, I, I have no idea what the turnout might be. I would imagine all the Pacific teams are going to be there, which will be nice to kind of connect with some of those guys because we don't really see them all too often. Um, but the uh, the All-Star Classic skills competition, so it's all going to be broadcasted on AHL TV, which uh, I don't know what the plan is for that, but free to get a uh, login for that and then whether or not you have to pay for the game or not. You can watch through AHL TV. Uh, both will be on NHL Network. And then if you're in Canada, it'll be on TSN uh, as well. Uh, the skills competition starts at 5 o'clock Pacific on Sunday, uh, 8 o'clock Eastern. And then the All-Star Challenge itself will be Monday at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 o'clock Eastern. So uh, pretty standard start times, I think, for a, a Sunday and a uh, Monday game, if you if you were to have that. But it should be a fun weekend down there, I think, uh, I'm excited to see which which events they put uh, Joachim Blickfeld in for the skills competition. My guess would be he's in the accuracy shooting, and probably I mean everybody does the breakaway challenge. He may do some of the uh, the rapid fire stuff to try and score on some goalies to to take their scores down a little bit. So uh, I think with a guy like Blitchy, you want to show off that that shot and that release as much as you can. So uh, I would assume that's where they put him, but you know. You, you never never know what's going to happen at the All-Star game, but it should be fun. I think he's going to enjoy it. I actually haven't really spoken to him too much about it because he hasn't, he hasn't been here. He's been up with the Sharks, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what direction that heads in this weekend. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, on a weekly basis, I try to send a bit of a cliff notes to uh, some of the beat writers in the area. So quickly, I'm just going to roll through them and kind of give you a synopsis. If you didn't get a chance to follow the games over the last week and see who was able to uh, have a nice little week over the three games. So Max Latunov, as Joey alluded to, had a couple of assists on Wednesday in that 7-2 win. So he's up to 28 points on the year. That paces the Barracuda in that department. And he's already got more points than he did 
a season ago in his rookie campaign in 21 fewer games. Jaden Holmgoak's a similar situation. He scored a couple times on Wednesday. He's now leading the Barracuda with 15 goals. This is shade above Joachim Blickfeld, who we just mentioned. And Holmgoak's has already surpassed his goal totals from his rookie season in 27 fewer games. So you're just seeing a bit of a trend with guys making the leap in their second season. Uh, prior to Saturday, Trevor Carrick had retor- recorded nine points over his last six games, three goals and six assists, and is currently tied for second in the AHL among all D-men with eight goals. So you're getting that type of production from the blue line is certainly a very encouraging sign as the blue line struggled really over the first couple months to, to chip in from an offensive standpoint. But you see Jake Middleton get his first goal. You see Nick DeSimone starting to find an offensive groove. And you see Trevor Carrick starting to take off and get back to where he was really last year when he was a huge piece of a Calder Cup championship team in Charlotte. Dylan Gambrell recorded five points over his last three games. So five during the week. He had two goals and three assists over the stretch. He's got 12 points so far in 13 games since being reassigned from the Sharks. So that's another good sign. You've got a guy coming down, not pouting, trying to take advantage of more ice time, more touches. And he's got 12 points over 13 games. Sasha Shemalevsky, a guy who was injured for almost a full month since he's come back from injury. He's got 14 points over 20 games. He had just one point over his first six games, dealing a little bit with an injury that he suffered in the first game of the season. Then Jeff Viel, a guy who leads the team with 70 penalty minutes, including four fighting majors, which also paces the group. He collected four points over the three games, had three goals and one assist over three games. Now has 17 points, eight goals, nine assists and is on pace to shatter his rookie record from a season ago. So you see a lot of guys starting to maybe find their offensive groove, which is something you're going to need if you want to get back in this conversation. Yeah, especially, I mean it's it's just nice to see guys like you know Latunov and Hovgolak kind of pacing the group because those are the guys that after last season, you know, coming to this year you expected them to make that jump and, and and help out. And these are the guys who were brought in here to do exactly what they're doing. Latunov is a guy who's got good vision. He's a good facilitator. And that's what they brought him in to do. He's starting to, you know, hit his stride. This is a guy who at the end of the year last year was a healthy scratch coming in now. And now he's here all the time. He's here every night and he's our, you know, our leading scorer. And they got a guy like Jaden Hogwalks who scored 70 goals in, in juniors. And we're, we're starting to see that scoring touch more and more. He's a guy who the coaches talk about all the time. He's, you know, he's going in those dirty areas. He carries the puck well. And for a guy his size, he defends the puck very well uh, to, to keep you know, guys off him and keep control of that puck. So uh, it's, it's great to see uh, all of that kind of start to come to fruition. And all of these guys really who are starting to really hit their stride after what might be for some a sophomore slump or just whatever it is. Uh, but they're all starting to come into their own and it's making a difference in these games. It's funny you mentioned the 70 goals because I've got a quick story on that. They don't often have the the bios and stat packets in the locker room. Well, they did in Iowa. And Nick Malosh was in his stall just kind of killing some time scrolling through it. And he gets to the final bio in the pack and it's number 89, Jaden Holbgox. And he just kind of blurted out the statistics that he had two years ago when he absolutely lit up the Western Hockey League. And then I stand right next to him. We start talking about it. I said, we signed this guy in December. And I swear once we signed him, it was like four goals, five goals, three goals, four goals, five goals over this three or four month Mm -hmm. stretch. And he carried that through the entire year. I just thought it was funny to see a guy, um, basically looking at the stats and couldn't help himself but like blurt them out because they were so astonishing but um, you hear the guys talk about the way Jaden has played and the way he's been able to elevate his game Um, as you look at guys who maybe maybe we'll get the next chance and maybe get a chance in in the near future certainly he'd be a guy that's starting to work his way up 
near the top of that list. So uh, there's a few guys you circle, you know, who haven't got looks yet. Those are the Alex Trues and now Jaden Holbgawaks and, you know, maybe a Nick DeSimone and a Max Latunov. These guys, you know, at times maybe last year wavered in their rookie season when they're young players working their way through their first pro year. And for Latunov, you can always look back to playing college hockey and just not playing a ton of games and just dealing with the war of attrition that is a full pro season. But, um, you know, a lot of the guys have been talking about the way that Holbs has been playing, the way he's been able to elevate his game. And I was I was talking about Holbs Gawaks the other day with Dan Ruzanowski, and as we tried to compare him to a player that's in the NHL right now um, and a guy that we saw in the Pacific Division, the AHL, and that's Connor Garland, who has a similar frame, smaller guy, but is able to still win battles inside, uh, win battles in those greasy areas, win 50-50 battles in the corner using leverage, using skills and smarts. Um, and I think that's where Holbgawak certainly could mold his game after. And look at what he's been able to do in Arizona and now as a, a proven NHL. I think he's got over 15 goals this year in the NHL. So. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple guys you know, who are, have that similar build and makeup. Colin Blackwell's a guy like that. Yep. He's now, he's worked his way, you know, he, he was in Buffalo system for a while, but he's been in Milwaukee. Got a recall last year, got a recall this year, and he's kind of, now he's, you know, he's starting third line center for those guys, and he's continuing to find the score sheet. So, um, you know, it's gone are the days where the NHL, you know, you have to be big and, you know, big and bulky. If the, the smaller guys, smaller stature guys, they are going to get the job done if they can play the game smart. And I think that's what you look at guys like Johnny Goudreau and then the guys who are, like I said, smaller in stature. They find ways to get on the score sheet, but they do things the right way and they play the game hard and fast. That's the way that the league is going. And it works obviously in favor for a guy like Jaden. Yeah, it does. And you can even look at another guy, as you mentioned, Colin Blackwell, but even Rocco Grimaldi, who we mm-hmm. saw in the AHL for a couple of years when he was a member of the Avalanche organization. He's found an NHL home in Nashville as well as a, as a very small guy. I think he's the smallest player in the NHL. I don't know if Jaden has the type of speed, the breakaway speed that Grimaldi has, but that's why I used, um, you know, that's why you can use other examples because there's guys that, you know, they have speed, but not that you know, Jaden's got speed. There's definitely been times where he throws on the burners and he blows by people. Yes, but he does. It's, it's, I think that was, that's always the biggest thing. I think going into it, everybody kind of knew he wasn't going to burn past you too often, but he is so smart and he's strong on the puck. I think that's what gives him a leg up is he's able to, you know, really just keep the puck away from people. And that's what's pushing him in the right direction. He has brilliant puck protection. You see him do it uh, quite often. Will work below the end line, kind of circle around the dot, and no one's able to steal the puck off him. You know know? who he reminds me of when I watch him kind of carry the puck is he's kind of the way uh, he the way he protects it is is similar to the way Brad Marchand protects the puck. The way he kind of curls back after taking the puck into the zone, the way he is down in the corner. It's it's all a lot of the the movements come off as the same. Uh, same kind of things I would watch, you know, when I was back home watching the Bruins play every night, but uh, certainly, certainly promising. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, when they signed him, it, their hope was that he would develop into a guy that obviously could reach the National Hockey League and be a contributor. And I think as you look at a guy's development, this is the perfect league for guys like a Hallbrook because he's able to cut his teeth in the pro game while learning and, you know, dealing with uh, – the rigors of the league, but also learning how to be a good 200 foot player because mm-hmm. you aren't going to play in the national hockey league. Even if you can, you know, you can score 50 goals. Now you could score 50 goals are probably going to, you know, cover up some of your defensive sure. deficiencies, but for a Hulk go you've got to be able to play in your own end. 
or you're not going to probably get to call. And I feel like, you know, his lead from a defensive standpoint and being able to contribute it back in his own zone and then leading the offense from that, he's made a huge step in his career as well this year. Yeah, and he's not he's this he's not a guy who's going to see it. He's not seeing a ton of time on on penalty kill, but his five on five is you know where the bread and butter is going to be. So uh, I think he's yeah he has taken a huge step there. He's been real good at that. And uh, again, a, a big pe- big part of the reason why the Barracuda are. Honestly, stay, you know we're down at the bottom of the standings, but the reason we're staying afloat and still kind of have a chance, he's he's one of the guys who's a, a main driving factor behind that. Definitely, and he you feel like he's been there all year. It hasn't been there hasn't been a lot of ebbs and flows in this game. Uh, one note, you know we have seen him getting to block off around a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know with the coaching changes, him helping out up top with the big club. Well, the Sharks are on their All Star break. He lives obviously in the area full time an opportunity for him to come help out these young goaltenders and you can tell just you know he's been kind of sniffing around over the last week or so and look at the group and the record so I mean there's no doubt about that he's just able to settle down a guy like Coronash try to give him a few pointers get his game back on track so um, something that you you notice when he's around you just kind of notice that the goaltenders starting to find a bit more confidence he's got a good track record with these guys he always has whether it's been with Cornash or or even with Shortridge now Sachenko or when Bebo was here when Grosnick was here even Aaron Dell that first year he's kind of he's always he's been that common theme for our goalies who have had a lot of success so to see him go out for the Sharks he's rejuvenated Aaron Dell quite a bit um, still working with Jonesy and he's still able to be down here working with with Cornash and Sachenko I think part of that I don't I mean I, I don't I've got a feeling he's not traveling as much as you know the rest of the coaching staff so it gives them that opportunity to be able to be here and help out the sharks when they're both at home so uh certainly a huge benefit um for a guy like nabby who i think everybody expected to be a successful coach uh but to really see it put in action over these last five years has been great yeah definitely so the barracuda pretty much wrap up quote-unquote the first half of the season on Saturday against Ontario before the all-star break then they'll be back in action down in Southern California they'll take on San Diego goals and it'll kick off two in a row against San Diego because San Diego will then make their way up north take on the Barracuda the following Wednesday so it'll be a much needed break you see with the Sharks that's been the narrative over the first couple days of this break was you know just reset the batteries for a lot of these guys an opportunity to maybe go on a short vacation just uh, restart get away from the game for a little bit the same can be said for these young guys we'll see if uh, uh, you know they've got the coin to go down to to uh, Cabo or uh, or uh, Hawaii as yeah, a national hockey. I think, hockey I think there's a lot do, of but a lot of Tahoe trips. With the maybe yeah, Tahoe a little, bit, <laughs> little bit more reasonable. But uh, I guess you make the Hawaii trips when you get up to the NHL. But again, it's the same thing can be said. Um, just uh, league mandated, you aren't allowed to practice for uh, I believe a couple days after the All Star festivities. So the, you won't be able to practice Tuesday. You won't be able to practice Wednesday, and then Thursday is a travel day, so you will skate before you leave. So you know. It's a, it's a legit five days off for these guys, which mm-hmm. I think will be huge yeah. um, for a lot of them uh, moving forward as you just try to get ready for the final sprint of the season. So fifth anniversary celebration on Saturday, 7 o'clock puck drop, January 25th, 4, first 4,000 fans will get a t-shirt giveaway um, honoring the fifth year. And then after that, we've got our final, as we look at the promotional schedule quickly, we've got our final bobblehead three-part series. That'll be on Monday, February 17th. So a little bit of time in between those two, but um, certainly still a lot left on our promotional schedule. Another bobblehead t-shirt giveaway. We've got Chiro Night coming up. And of course, we've got uh, Kudakun 
Country Night coming up as well down the final stretch of the year. Just saw Roy Sommer. It'll be Roy Sommer's, Sommer's bobblehead. And, you know, it's a it's a wind ticker on the bobblehead, Joey. So technically, at this point, you can keep it, uh, you can update it and, and set it and forget it for a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, that's what that's why the the sample I have at my desk is kind of set and forget right now. So, uh, but the, all the stuff we have coming up is really cool. You can see it all at the on the promotional page, and as we get closer to each one, we'll make sure we highlight those moving forward. Well, we tried to get a guest on today, but it was a little bit tough just because of the transition. We had uh, we got in late on Sunday. We left Des Moines about one o'clock. Had a layover in Vegas. Didn't get back into the Bay Area until about six thirty. Guys had Monday off, and now we've got another bus down to Bakersfield at uh, you know later this afternoon. So um, no time to get anybody today, but we will uh, expect to have guests next week. Hopefully, mm-hmm. we'll get somebody from the All Star Game. Hopefully, Blitchy, uh, we can work out in his schedule. We'll get him on, um, and we plan on recording down there. So uh, no rest for the weary. We'll yeah. get her going down uh, in Ontario. Uh, next probably premiere the the episode as we always do on Tuesdays we'll probably record on Monday um, leading into the all-star game so um, anything else from you Joe yeah uh, we made it to the big time oh did we, we are we're in officially we are on iTunes we're on Spotify we're on the Google Play Store so yeah, I mean you can go we're still official you can still go and find all the the, the catalog of episodes will still be on SoundCloud until uh, we can figure out a way to transfer all those over but each new episode that comes out you'll be able to go right to our website and listen to that you'll be able to go subscribe download on Google Play Spotify, Apple. Uh, so that way, every time a new episode comes out, every Tuesday, it'll pop up in your feed and you can listen to our beautiful voices <laughs> once <Sure>. a week <laughs> and uh, get caught up in all things that are Barracuda, everything that's going on in and outside the rink. So uh, definitely go and do that if you haven't already. But exciting news for us, it's, I mean, we're over 50 episodes. We kind of brushed past the yeah, you know, it 50 almost, mark. It basically took us 50 to get on to yeah, uh, all yeah. the uh, so, platforms. Uh, you know, we like the guys in the American Hockey League. We cut our teeth until we uh, we made the big time. <laughs> so don't, you know, don't treat us any differently. We're still the same people uh, we were before. We're just... Uh, a little bit cooler now. Yeah, as they say, the always hungry league. We're yes. always uh, trying to find ways to expand ourselves. So, um, what what do they always say? I guess uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, find so us wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> no more uh, just uh, strictly on SoundCloud. You can still find us on SoundCloud, but um, if you want to download us uh, through all uh, the uh, platforms as well, you could do so um, now as well. So, um, I guess that's it for us for Joey Goldstein. I'm Nick Nolenberg. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll talk to you all Tuesday.